Romans chapter 4, verses 13 through 25. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I've made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith and he gave glory to God. Fully convinced, that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, Jackson, here we are in Romans 4. Yesterday we read... Uh, part of sort of a, a sermon from Paul uh-huh. or a, a you know public address, and, and here is a letter to the church in Rome, you know, which would have been a mixture of Jews and Gentiles, and he's telling telling them that Abraham is the father of all who live in faith in God, yeah. which is a really important biblical theme, and then he digs into the story of Abraham's promised offspring. Yeah who is, of course, Christ. And this is a really interesting passage. It's, you know, really beautifully written and beautifully said that the faith of Abraham is just presented in such a magnificent light. And, you know, I'm really glad that earlier in this Advent study, we actually read the story of Abraham because it sounds really sparkly and easy here Mm -hmm. but if we go back to the you know ground floor with abraham out in the wilderness in genesis we we see him wrestle with god we see him you know struggle to believe god Uh and tell him you've given me no offspring and and so there's a lot of interesting tension here what are your thoughts on this passage yeah i I i'm so glad that you directed us back to the Abraham narrative in Genesis, um, that's where my mind was going as well. You know, you think back on Abraham and Sarah and how they responded, you know, it wasn't like, this is the word of the Lord, bring it on. Yeah, we're, we're, we're ready yeah. to go. We trust you implicitly. It's like, you know, Abraham laughed at one point. Yeah. Sarah laughed at one point. Yeah. Abraham, um, well, Abraham and Sarah concocted this plan for him to, to sleep with her servant. And we've got Ishmael. We've got this yeah, whole other yeah, yeah. line out there now, and and there's complexity with that. Mm-hmm. That their their record is spotted, but what 
we continue to see in those chapters in the book of Genesis was God would continue to come along and he would promise Abraham or he would promise Sarah and and he would sustain them through this word of promise. And, and as weak as it might've been, they believed. Mm-hmm. And so they are counted as, uh, you know, the fathers of the faith. We have father Abraham. We have these people who are listed in the, the hall of faith in the book of Hebrews. And, and so verse 13 then becomes really significant as Paul's trying to make a point about the nature of law versus faith for the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. And, and so I think as we continue here in chapter four of Romans, Paul is saying, you know, what do we do with the promises of God? Well, we respond to them in faith. Mm. And, and that's what we see with Abraham. And, and we know the story. We know it wasn't perfect, but nevertheless, he believed. Um, and you skip down to verse, like verse 20. Uh, so cool here. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that he was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Mm. And so you see that as as Abraham struggled, but nevertheless fought for faith and and trusted in God imperfectly, this this continually the continual movement towards the Lord and continually disciplining himself to believe in God resulted in his faith actually growing. So we get this picture that his faith grew as he went throughout his life, even as he continued to get older without an heir, even though God asked him to do hard things like sacrifice his son. Mm-hmm. It, it seems as if Abraham only increased in faith the longer he went about his life because he made a habit of trusting the Lord again, as imperfectly as he did. So um, that's sweet to me. It, but but I think where all this just uniquely blesses me is when I get to the idea that uh, all of this was not just written for his sake, but for ours also. Mm-hmm. We see that in verse 23 yeah. uh, in verse 24. Um, for ours also will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. It, it, it seems as if the Lord knows our frame and knows that we are going to be people just like Abraham who are going to have lots of reasons to doubt, who are mm-hmm. going to be confronted with our own inadequacy. I think about a Christmas season, for instance, and there's there's always like a a subtle sadness that exists in me around Christmas time as I reflect on the year and I reflect on the world. As much joy as there is in the coming of Christ, there can be a sort of sadness that's associated with that. And, and I'm confronted with my own weakness in the midst of it. And here it seems like Paul is, or the Lord is saying through Paul that this story way back in the beginning in the book of Genesis is actually meant to edify us Mm -hmm. and to increase our faith and realize what we have by virtue of faith in Jesus Christ, which is the righteousness of Christ. Mm -hmm. And and so we've, we've got a really incredible story here. Yeah. You know, that, that point about Abraham, you have the Ishmael story, you have all, all the mess. And I think it's it's easy to misread Romans 14 and, and oversimplify. Romans 4. Oh, sorry, sorry. Did I say 13? 14. 14. Wow, gosh. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Monday afternoon, everybody. Um, anyways, I think it's easy to misread Romans 4 as like Abraham was perfect. Right. The text is implicitly saying that, or explicitly saying 
not by the law. Like the right. law brings wrath. It, yeah, and exactly. the fact that Abraham sinned is why he needed the promise and grace of God. And the fact that we sin. And, and so it's not this, you know, unreachably high bar of, you know, perfect belief in God because we are not capable. We have all fallen short of that. But Abraham lived in the wilderness. He, you know, he, he followed the call of God and, and even in his sin and transgression, he, he returned to the Lord and, and his whole, his hope was ultimately in the promises of God. And, and this is the model that we are given to live into is not to, you know, view ourselves as, you know, we can reach this level of faith and belief in which we justify ourselves. Right. But, you know, it's the object of our faith. Jesus, who was delivered for our trespasses and raised for our justification, as verse 25 says. And, and so that is the strength of our belief. That is what upholds it and why our belief can can be unwavering like that of Abraham is because the, the blood of Jesus will not lose its power. Amen. And, you know, I think verse 25, there's an important... You know, one of the questions I've asked at points in life is like, was I, you know, did we get salvation when Jesus died or when he rose from the dead? Like how does salvation and the death and resurrection of Jesus work? And 25 is a really helpful guide there. Jesus died bearing the sins of his people. And so his blood on Calvary made atonement for us. But if Jesus doesn't rise from the dead, he's another sacrifice. Mm -hmm. But because he rises from the dead, the Lord raised him up, then we are justified. So it's not just that our sin is atoned, but we're given a righteous record in Jesus and, and led on high. And, and so, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things that could be a little confusing in part because of how the Bible talks about the cross and how we take our cues from talking about the cross as well. But there is a cross-centeredness to this world. Like the, yeah. the cross is the center of the Bible or of Christianity. And, that, and that's appropriate, but we have to understand that the cross is what they'll refer to in literary terms as a synecdoche. And mm. that, that's essential. That's a, it's a complicated word, but the idea is, is that that word represents, uh, uh, it's a small part of, uh, that represents a larger sum. And yeah, so, yeah. so when we say, you know, we are saved by virtue of the cross, we're actually saying we're saved by virtue of Jesus's righteous life, uh, his, his self-sacrificing death on the cross, his glorious resurrection from the mm -hmm. dead, and even his ascension to the right hand of the father. Yep. Like all that's wrapped up in that little phrase, like we're saved because of the cross. Mm -hmm. And so we can we could talk about the cross in a way that sometimes may minimize the resurrection or minimize his life, but those things are necessary for salvation. Like Jesus came in just the right way. He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled all righteousness. He died in our place mm -hmm. in the right way. And as he rose from the dead, what we see is, is that God gave his stamp of approval to all of the claims that Jesus made about yeah. himself. Yeah. And then he ascended to the right hand of the Father. So we can take it to the bank that what Jesus said that he accomplished on the cross, mm -hmm. um, atonement for sin, that that's actually done. And, and so now we can have our sins be forgiven and we can 
have the righteousness of Christ imputed or transferred to our account so that we too can be counted as righteous, just like Abraham. So, so yeah, it's an important, you know, theological point to, to make, but it can be confusing as we, 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 it, it's appropriate for us to say the cross is the center of faith, that we're cross-centered people. But when we say that, we're not saying we're not resurrection people yeah, either. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank God for the cross and for the empty Amen. grave right behind it. Amen. So we'll see you tomorrow for Jackson Randall. This is Will Carlisle. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.